I'm Jimmy Lewis, and this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, the dirt bike podcast where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. In episode number 33 of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, I'm lucky enough to get Chris Reel in, and he's a real live petroleum engineer. So, you know that oil question? We get it answered. So all of your semi-religious, often confusing oil and lubrication problems are turned into questions and answered on this show. This show is brought to you by... Climb has been with this show since the beginning, and I really appreciate that. What I like even better is that the gear is super awesome. I've been wearing it since the beginning. Uh, it's evolved a bunch. It's very durable, um, really good fitting. They have features on their gear that are pretty much uh, industry leading. And I appreciate that because that's what I wear when I get to do fun stuff and I'm comfortable and I like almost everything that they make. So if you are looking for a change of gear or you're looking for the best gear, I think uh, you won't be disappointed by trying climb. So give them a look. Along with Taco Moto. So you've heard us talk about Taco Mike on the show. He's been a guest host a few times. Taco Moto Co., that's how you find them on the web, sells a lot of the kind of cool and unique tuning products that you need to get your emissions-compliant bike running up to snuff. So if you have questions, he has answers, and he can also sell you the stuff. So if we can't answer the question here, which we hope we can, maybe he can answer the question over there, and he can also sell you the parts that you might need to get your especially KTM or Husky dual sport bike, uh, running like a champ. Anyways, it's tacomoto.co and DDC Racing. That's Delaney Drive Components. They're makers of very strong, durable, chromoly, chrome-plated sprockets. If you've seen these things, they look like Swiss cheese. They're super light for a steel sprocket. They last forever. They come with a one-year warranty. And they are built by riders who really care about keeping riding areas open. So if you're interested in some good drive systems parts, check out ddcracing.net. That's Delaney Drive Components. Now, here's the show. It is 7 o'clock. 7.01, actually. We are in Pahrump, Nevada. Valley of the Dirt People, which I say affectionately all the time. I'm with Chris Real, or Chris Real, or Chris, how can you say the name also? Real. Real? Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't too bad. Not bad. Somebody told me Real. It's Real. It's Chris Real. Chris is Real here tonight, and we are on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. This is edition number 33, which will more than likely drift into the next edition, because um, we have so much stuff to cover, and I only have Chris for a little while. So we're going to try to knock it all out. We're going to try to segment it into, uh, let's, I, I don't know whether we should, I think we should talk about oils first or, yeah, because everybody wants to know about oil. So do I. We'll, we'll do the first uh, half of this segment on, uh, we'll talk, we'll have the oil questions come in. So that's your cue on the, uh, the message boards if you want to have your oil question answered. 
And I know how this works is we're going to start talking about stuff and it's going to prime some other questions. So you can, um, uh, if you have questions, we'll kind of take a second good look at it. I have some questions here on the board, which I don't know we'll clipboard. I don't know if we'll get to. And, uh, and hopefully we'll all start um, doing some learning. But Chris has a disclaimer. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do have a disclaimer. Uh, I'm Chris Real with DPS Technical. I'm a motorcycle guy. Um, my, uh, my, my job uh, involves a lot of proprietary stuff. So tonight, um, this is uh, not professional technical consulting. It's, it's, it's educational entertainment. Um, if I make a mistake, it's all Jimmy's fault because he's, he's invited <laughs> me here and he's given me some really good tequila. But, but uh, let's just have some fun and, and hopefully it can be uh, informational, educational, but not legal. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> well, you already did better than most of my co-hosts. Well, I'll probably be cutting you off and people will tell me, shut up, Jimmy, and let him talk. But I managed to just do turn around, get a full pour in, you know, for me, and uh, and I didn't have to worry about talking back into the microphone or jumping in. So that's that's good. We're off to a good, definitely a good start. Uh, we got a few people in the room uh, checking stuff out. So one of the questions I always get, and you, you've you known me for quite a long time, it's like, hey, Jimmy, what oil do you run? And you say, it's funny to watch because I kind of stutter sometimes, and I, I, I hiccup, and basically uh, I never give an exact real straight answer because the kind of oil I run is not necessarily a straight answer. I, I run kind of whatever I can have my hands on at the moment. It could have been what was given to me for free which is often the case, you know, we're, we're testing bikes all the time. And sometimes people give us oil to use. It could be the, the, the cheapest stuff I got down at Walmart. It might've been what I had left over from, uh, some other project I was doing. And it might be a mix of all of those. And, uh, so how, how bad is what I'm doing truly for my motorcycle? Uh, Jimmy, as long as you have oil in your motorcycle, you're ahead of most. Um, I went through your um, your cupboard just a, a few minutes ago while you're sorting out your stuff, and you've got a nice selection of miscellaneous oils and chemicals, and none of them are bad. And so as long as you put something in that sort of matches what your needs are, you're ahead of the game. So... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I saw some petroleum oils in there. I saw some synthetic oils in there. I saw some mystery stuff in you odd know, bottles. Some of the mystery stuff came from you. Yes, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna enlighten you a little bit on that. I I see something that I know that I gave you personally a long time ago. There used to be a post-it note that said, "Do not get this on your hands." Uh, well, that was <laughs> that was before uh, we got official uh, disclaimers. <laughs> yeah, disclaimers. Yeah, no, it was it, that's a super lube. Yep. That was that super lube stuff. So yeah. I, I know Chris from way back in the day uh, when I started, uh, when I became a KTM factory rider, part of our deal was we were, um, you knew I was going to bring this up, Duralube, right? You were, you were in charge of Duralube, correct? Yes, I was one of the principals and one of the founders of Duralube and the one of the original test riders and um, bought into the company. Um, using student loans and went through the uh, the entire history of the company until we um, found somebody that had a, a a big enough check and we sold it. So uh, yeah, I was I was there 
uh, from day one till the you know the the last day under that label. Because my my perception, like right from the right from the early days about that was, I always thought it was a big company. Because if, if you were going to sponsor, you know, a factory team at the time, because you had myself, Danny Hamill, and Dan Smith. Correct. We 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 were the factory recommended oil from our friends at KTM Motorcycles. Um, when it was KTM's on the West Coast and Pitton's on the East Coast. <laughs> that was definitely even a little bit before, just a little bit before my time. So, um, but uh, we, it, it, it was funny because at the time I, I came from running a brand called Calgard and I know Danny was always Maxima mm-hmm. and I don't know what Dan, Dan Smith seemed like he had kind of bounced around a little bit too. I, yeah. Um, Oh God! What was that? There was an, another another brand that's probably not no longer uh, that visible in the motorcycle market at the time. But uh, um, we so we had um, uh, and, and and here's here's the funny thing is that was the time when we were pushing the especially on the smaller displacement bikes we were pushing those things as far as oh yeah know, I was racing a 125 and Danny was racing the 250 and he rode the 250 like I rode a 125 which was pinned all the time and. We we had a, a after a little while we had a pile of cylinders because we kept we kept uh, sticking the the pistons we were seizing them and it was I remember it, I remember kind of I was always just frustrated because you know I wanted to run the oil but I just didn't have any success with it we tried a whole bunch of different stuff and this is probably one of the few times that that I would actually say I had a, a consistent failure using a using a um, you know, a product, you know, it was like, okay, this, this product wasn't up to, um, you know, the, what we were pushing it to. And I'll agree with that. Uh, you know, you were kind of in the middle of a, a, a pretty significant global technology shift. Uh, everybody was, we were just evolving, um, away from leaded gas to unleaded fuel. Yep. Uh, we were evolving from, air-cooled designs to early water-cooled designs. And we also taking a look at, at how the, you know, how the, the riders were evolving in the speeds. There was, there was a period of time there where a good rider, um, like, like Jimmy or Bobby Ballantyne or any of the other guys could ride beyond the, the capabilities of, of the machine, so everything was on the ragged edge, and so we. Oh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of, you know, I mean, I knew we were pushed. Like I said, we were pushing the one twenty five, and and the only guy that really wasn't having any problems with it was Dan. I remember Dan was not seizing his bike, and we were all running F and L fuel, so we had a consistency mm-hmm. in the fuel, and our fuel was leaded, because mm-hmm. uh, that at the time that's you know it was pretty inconsistent what you were getting yes. at the at the. Uh, at the gas station. So we were trying to keep everything consistent. And we, I mean, I remember we, we were tried, you know, jetting, we would have to, in order to get the bike to survive, we'd actually have to jet it to where it wasn't fast anymore. You know, it just, right. <laughs> and, and then, so that wasn't an option. It's like, okay, I, I, I want to have the fastest bike. I had the fastest bike, but I wanted to have the fastest bike by another level. And, and we, like I said, we ended up in a season. And KTM was also having a problem, especially when I moved up to two fifties with power valves at the time. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of an issue. It was a lot of heat being stored up right behind the back of that power valve. And then the power valves would snap. And uh, 
but I, I, I remember, I remember talking to you and, and you're like, don't worry, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix this. And KTM said, we don't care how many cylinders it takes to get to the bottom of this. And the cylinder pile got pretty big <laughs> before, yeah. before we kind of, uh, ended up, okay, just go back to run, running what you guys know works. So mm-hmm. we don't have any failures during races because luckily we were able to do all this testing. We were never forced to do testing during racing. No, that's a that's that is a bad <laughs> recipe. And you know, as as a team manager, you know, we look at we look at the results. And if we are do, testing on race day, um, it's it's never good. So 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 in the end, and here's here's the, here's the story. Here's the moral of this story, is that in the end, I had a lot of Duralube two stroke oil, and in fact, I still have some. I have some up at my cabin. It's, it's, we have a lot of uh, con- containers of it. So little, little, the little, the bottles. And, uh, I ran that stuff for till now. How many years is that? 20 years at no, least? No, <laughs> no. Um, well, since I was not, so that was what, 1985. It was, but, but I was, I started racing in 90 in 89 is when I started riding the KTM. Okay. So how many years is that? Don't me do math. I don't do math in this podcast. Well, let's, so 30 years. I've been running that stuff for 30 years in my KTM 200 that lived up there for a long time, in all of my chainsaws, in any of my friends' bikes that rode up there that needed two-stroke oil, uh, including Dave Donatoni's CR250, which often didn't even have um, coolant in the radiators. (laughs) Um, And that stuff performed flawlessly as long as you weren't trying to wring your bike's neck. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I mix two-stroke oil kind of the same way. I mean, I don't mix like a, a caster and a synthetic or a petroleum in, in, in two-stroke oil. I'm, I'm smart enough not to do that, to mix dissimilar oils. But that stuff actually was really, really good. I mean, except for 10 tenths. And there's so few people that use stuff to 10 tenths, but they they think they do or they want to or they need to. And I think this is goes back to your point about oil in the beginning, it's probably best just to start by making sure you have oil in your motor and enough of it. Yeah, C- correct. And and also, you know, from 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 our standpoint, you know, the the, the Duralube days, you know, we were one of the first lean mix oils. We oh yeah, it was hundred hundred to one, right? Fifty to we were fifty, 50 to, to one, one. Fifty to one when the standard of the day was 16 to 1 Bardol VBA. At, at, and when we first came out, everybody looked at us and said, you guys are, you're, you're way, way lost. And we fi- had figured out some things that were um, pretty, pretty leading edge uh, early. And then about the time things were, uh, the fuels were changing, we discovered some, uh, some other technology which which uh, was, was quite unique and and we were bringing that forward and there were some 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 challenges with the one tenth of one percent people yeah I, I, it, and it, that's that's a, that's the story I just told is it wasn't mine wasn't unique but here here and here's the bad thing is that like people would kind of find out yeah. that, that we were seizing our bikes I mean we basically would go be practicing the bomb run. And, you know, blowing our bikes up and then getting towed back, you'd see, you know, Jimmy and Danny getting towed back. And Danny could blow his 500 up, unlike Dan, because <laughs> um, he rode it like a 125. He just, he'd, and so they'd see us getting towed back to the truck and, and they're like, oh, you know, bikes are junk. 
And then, and then, you know, of course, KTM is like, no, the oil's junk. And then like, we're like, no, it's just, you know, we're testing stuff and we're trying to make them faster. And you're, you're trying to answer the questions. But in reality, it wasn't a, I mean, there were, a, there were probably 15 to 20 other guys that I knew of on that same line running the exact same bomb on all different kinds of bikes running Duralube and they weren't having the problems that we were. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, you got to remember when, you know, the, the, the speeds really changed in in that era um you know suspension brakes yep. motors everything was evolving rapidly and yeah we you know we had a bunch of custom fit pistons you know the the scuff marks <laughs> match the scuff mark the pistons match on match the scuff marks on the on the cylinder but you know you know some of the vehicles were literally breaking in half wheels were coming unwelded so it's not like today it's it's not like today we, i mean the good old days some of those days weren't all that good yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and you know i i remember in the early days of you know when i was racing 125 i could keep up with 500s and and 250s going across the valley sure and i remember i came back you know, and, and raced a couple of races on 125, maybe eight, 10 years later, and no way, n- not even close. And what, what changed? The the bike wasn't, the bikes weren't any faster. The suspension got better. So all of a sudden everything's, you know, getting ridden harder. The engines are st- uh, taxed more, um, you know, things, things of that nature. So uh, yeah, interesting, good times. But that's, that was how, that was how I met you. You probably thought I was a pompous little racer prick kid. No, as as a matter of fact, I kind of remember a meeting that we had and I know that, that you had challenges and, and, you know, I was at most of the races and I, I saw, you know, I saw you pushing the, the, you know, the guy in front of you with a very stiff rope, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, but but I, you know, I, you know, I know that we were all doing our absolute best to push technology forward, um, whether it be suspension or oil technology, and we were dealing with a lot of variables. Um, you know, the bikes, the fuel, um, you know, the riders, you know, brakes, yeah. <laughs> it, it, everything. And and at the at the end of the day, we solved the uh, the challenges, and. Um, you, uh, I think I think towards the end of on before KT and that's when KTM went bankrupt. That's why I stopped. That's why I stopped riding for him. I think at the end we were actually running the two-stroke oil. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure at the end. And I don't think it. I actually, in all honesty, I think by then I wasn't riding the 250 that fast. Anyways, <laughs> well, well, you know that my yeah. bike got faster and I didn't have to use all it had. You know, the the bikes the 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 bikes definitely evolved and 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 I don't care what color the fender is I mean you know if you had you know in that day the the fenders were white and and um, yeah white KTM's yeah white white KTM's. <laughs> right before they were white no they were white and teal and white and purple and red white and blue when I started yeah. Yeah, so they're all different, all so, different colors. But but they they all got better, and and now there's boy, there's some 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 wonderful motorcycles out there to choose from, and some some really cool things coming for the future. But I guess yeah. that's I guess that's another that's where discussion. You, that's where you zip zip. zip. You can't talk about it because you you've probably ridden what the like twenty twenty two stuff yet? Maybe yeah. Allegedly, I can't, I can't confirm or allegedly. Deny yeah, maybe any, some twenty twenty two stuff. I don't know how I know that either. Um, yeah. But uh, so, 
One of the other questions I get a lot, and this is funny because this back to two-stroke oils, because we do get a lot of two-stroke questions on, on the show. Um, so now KTM recommends 60 to 1 in their, you know, when you're mixing gas. Like currently in, in the SX is the only one that you're mixing gas in anymore. But the last few years of the carbureted bikes, especially the Makuni, they recommended 61. And everybody was having all these jetting issues, and us included, because I kind of refused to mix a, you know, a high-strung two-stroke that I knew I was going to be pinning across the desert or on a motocross track at 60 to 1. Couldn't do it because I was, I'm always been a 40 to one guy or, you know, however much that is, you know, just, and I just three took, glugs and a cap full. Yeah. For every gallon. Yeah. yeah something like that. So, but I, I, they said, just do it. And, and so for sure at that point I went and got motor X because now I'm playing their game and I'm going to use what they recommended. So I got my hands on motor X and I ran it at 61 and all of a sudden the jetting got cleaned up. All of a sudden the bike ran better with the stock jetting. And everything was right. And then and nothing went wrong. I didn't seize it, didn't break it. So then I switched over to whatever oil I was custom with, whether it was, you know, what the oil of the week, whether it was Maxima or whether it was Redline or, you know, I have some old CalGuard. And if I wish, if I had some Duralube out here, I would have poured it in it too and kept running it at 60 to 1. Never had a problem. And now we hear about what these oil-injected bikes are doing. And I and the same thing with Beta. Beta's, um, they had the Kahina on it. So it was a little less finicky but they were also recommending go you know a lot leaner with the oil to gas ratio right and 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 you know um one of the things that that gets overlooked is what the actual oil ratio really is so if you know if it's all concentrate there's no uh mixing agents in there any solvent and it's not pre-diluted in the bottle um then you know you're the uh, actual volume of oil that you're putting into that gallon of gas and shaking uh, can be significantly less. But if you have an oil that requires a, uh, you know, a, a mixing solvent uh, to be put in with it, well, then, of course, the solvent doesn't burn real well and it doesn't lubricate very well. So you have to use more to get the actual, um, the actual oil to uh, fuel ratio correct. So that's, you know, that's one of the things that people, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, it was standard procedure to have, you know, a, you know, a high viscosity oil in the bottle cut with, with, you know, 15 or 20% solvent. And so, of course, you have to use more oil. And so if you're, you know, if you're more than a, more than a C student, Chemistry wise, you could <laughs> you you could figure out how to formulate an oil that would actually mix with gas and 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 the gas is a obviously a, a petroleum and so if you have a petroleum that kind of you know uh, dilutes fairly easy in the gas, uh, you're you're in pretty good shape. But today there's a lot of B plus students and and a handful of A students <laughs> that are that are making oils that are making oils. So and yeah. everybody's had to up their game, and that's the wonderful wonderful thing about the motorcycle and the racing industry. You know, if 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 you're a C student, you get smoked. Yeah, quickly, <laughs> quickly, <laughs> quickly, and, and so kind of you know on that. So that we're, we're just you know sometimes the you know the oils everything's getting a little bit better. And even though sometimes maybe the gas and work, I want to talk about the gas. Maybe we'll we'll hit. I want to get onto another thing uh, before we go on to gas because you're kind of an expert on that as well. Have a lot of experience. Well, uh, you if, do you're, a lot. if you're the oil guy and you only and you're fifty to one, 
you're, that means you, you, you have 2% of the equation. That means you better know what the other 98% of the equation <laughs> yeah. is because right. you're going to get all the blame. Right. We're going to get, <laughs> we're going to get onto the gas here in a little bit. So the other, the other big like kind of question that we get a lot about here is like, is like people say, what's the best four stroke oil to put in there? And, and you go, you know, across the board and it's just like two stroke oil. Everybody has their favorite brand. <laughs> and, and the one thing that keeps coming up and it's, and I'll use the brand name because it's the one that seems to be the most popular is Rotella. Yep. The, the Rotella gets kind of popped up. The D soil, the fifteen forty, I think, is what it typically is yep. that, that people that people um, go to. And for a while, there was a few of the aftermarket clutch manufacturers that were recommending it. Um, kind of, they were the first ones that really publicly kind of came out. But in reality, that oil is not technically designed for what we are doing. True. Now, I, I actually took the time to go in and and look at the bottles and look at the standards. That the the letters the the API and the SNs. So so and so, the, so you dissected the alphabet soup. I, I, I don't know what I mean. I don't know what thing, but I know there's the J what J M S O, JASO. Yeah, the Japanese Automotive Standard Organization. And then there's M O and M A, right? Uh, M A and M B. M A and M B, and and so those are those are that's a motorcycle specific standard that was developed for motorcycles in japan or or it was a testing procedure developed on it with a motorcycle bias correct true okay you you step in anytime i start oh, oh, oh. i start making uh making stuff up or getting things no no you're you're inc- incorrect but you're pretty close and 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 if i can just kind of kind of you can in so you, you can, don't get you too lost cut it yeah <laughs> okay the um the api the american petroleum institute we all of the um Institutes kind of rely upon, you know, um, testing organizations or standards organizations, whether it be SAE or ASTM, you know, Society of Automotive Engineers or American Society for Testing Materials, and and so we all participate in these groups. And the Japanese, since since they have a lot of motorcycles, and and they, you know, were having to deal with automotive oils they say well time out let's let's take a look at what our challenge is and and develop a standard that addresses the common gear case crank case and, and, and clutch and before you go crazy so the biggest difference between most automotive engines and a motorcycle engine is the fact that we have a wet clutch and a transmission Mixing with the same oil that's lubricating our piston and our crank and our cam cam chains and valves, everything. And we don't have any oil pressure. Oh, really? Compared to a car? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a car I, at idle. My 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 Toyota. Can I say Toyota? You can say whatever you okay. want. My, my my Toyota has a has about sixty pounds of oil pressure at idle. Right. My motorcycle will never see sixty pounds of oil pressure throughout the system. I didn't. I did not know that. So we have a, a a mixture of pressure, mm-hmm. and we have a mixture of fling and a mixture of dip and hope. <laughs> <laughs> dip and hope. No, that's what the the, the I, that's I, 
Can I get a modified dip and hope for my bike? Well, uh, Briggs and Stratton always had a dip and hope where you dipped in the oil and flung it around. I, I have and, a crank uh, of one of those laying. It was actually a Honda generator motor that didn't dip and hope good enough. And, and so, so you know, the, the motorcycle motors are so compact um, and, and they get pretty, they get run pretty hard, and, but they don't get run that many miles, not not really. And so um, the lubrication system works pretty good. It's a pretty lightweight system. The oil pumps are... are oh, they're, know, they're tiny. They're tiny. Sometimes they're even a reed valve. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I, okay, so I remember the old Huskies. Yeah, yeah. the old Huskies that was used a reed valve as the oil pump. Yes, and oh, I, I do too. And when that would get a little piece of stuff in there and hold the reed open, then the, you got nothing. <laughs> but, but, but That's dip and hope. That's dip and hope. So, so you know, motorcycle oils are are formulated for specific applications. And the MAMB, one is friction modified and one is not. So, you know, the, the friction modifier, if it's a real slippery oil, kind of makes the um, the clutch go a little bit crazy or can, or allegedly, or it may not be good for the clutch. And some non-friction modified oils are a little bit gr- grabbier and the clutch is a little bit happier. And since the transmission is stirring the oil, um, you know, the formulation becomes uh, a little bit more critical because the transmission, uh, you know, it's a it's a gear ratio thing, but as from a lube engineer standpoint, it's an air stirrer. It stirs air into the system, and your dip and hope don't like air. <laughs> so, so, so your oil gets uh, foamy, essentially. Correct. And, the, and they put modifiers in there to reduce that. Correct. And they put modifiers in oils to make them slipperier or less slippery. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's you know, and that changes based on emissions regulations. A lot sometimes. of times, that's, that's that's more on the. Um, I always compare oil to like the a chocolate chip, chocolate chip cookie recipe: egg, sugar, flour, chocolate chips, and so you start balancing things back and forth. So you know, we've got the additive package, which is the anti wear. Um, that's kind of a mission thing. We've got the viscosity uh, modifiers, which either change the viscosity a little bit or or make yeah, make it possible to run a a, a lower uh, uh, lower viscosity base oil. So you you have a lot of things in this equation, and you got to remember that motorcycles typically run pretty doggone hot. The oil gets pretty hot, and yep. the clutch gets gets the oil really hot. So typically, you'll have motorcycle oils that are pretty thermally stable. They're um, they're at the higher end typically of of the um, you know the uh, the price range, and they're at the higher end, typically of the uh, of the performance range uh, for a what we'll call a passenger car motor oil. Okay, and so when we so we go back to the Rotella, oh. and I actually looked at the bottle, and the bottle actually it had the it had the J S J M. What's the what's the alphabet soup that I Jasso Jasso? It had the Jasso rating on it. Yeah, Jasso, and it will either have, you know, one of the two. Yeah, and it was, I believe it was, oh, I don't remember exactly yeah. which one it was. See, that it's it's alphabet soup, but so it's really not that bad to run that oil. Yeah, the, 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 the challenge that we have is, you know, um, diesel oils, your heavy-duty truck oils, very often are, they're, they're kind of overbuilt in some other uh areas and for extreme pressure uh, extreme pressure and extreme fuel dilution and additive control and the the deposits that we get the 
from diesel, I drive a diesel, you drive a diesel, yep. uh, are a lot different than the deposits that we get from gasoline. And the gasoline oils are, you know, are formulated you know, to protect you know, grandma's grocery getter if she goes, you know, drives 100,000 miles you know, in, you know, in her car two miles at a time. No, yeah. and, and so we have to protect that. And the diesel oils are, you know, everybody, you know, that those are, are formulated for the over-the-road trucking guy who, you know, you know, he'll... Runs it 12 hours at a time. 12 hours at a time with two log books and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and cheap, you know, and, and uh, cheap and sometimes very dirty fuel. So, yep. so you know, the deposit control side of that um, is is um, a, a big consideration. And, and probably so, not ideal for a motorcycle. Well, not ideal. Um, but us motorcycle guys, we change oil frequently. Do you think way too much? No, I'm used to being in the oil business. You should change it every 50 feet and pay retail. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, like, like I think it, it, I, I said I was working on a, on a video about the Honda 450X, and, I, and then one of the things I said is, like, you know, you, you can look at what the manual specifies and stuff, and I think that's a very, very safe and extremely conservative oil change um, schedule. And it's not going to hurt it unless you're not very good at changing oil by doing it more often. No, it, it, it's actually good, and, and you got to remember that – you know, motorcycles, you have some guys that never get the oil really hot and other guys that... that I'm that guy. That will take will take that 450X and and ride it 60 miles across, you know, the desert. It, hard. And so, you know, when you get the oil hot and it starts to turn to carbon, starts getting dark, or if you're a clutch monkey and you slip the... the there's, there's the best way to wreck oil. Yeah. And, and so... So, you know, the manufacturers are saying, look, if you just follow what we're saying, all you'll, you guys will live through you'll, it. You'll never have any problem. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's for, and I mean, even, even on some of the manuals, they have a, quote, racing schedule and a mm-hmm. regular guy schedule just, just to be safe, Yeah, I think. Although I would, I would feel pretty safe being just the regular guy schedule, even if I was the race guy, unless I'm one of those abusive guys that hammers the clutch or, you know, uh, likes to, and then and then the other thing is like when you get contaminants in there you know so you, you're in a really moist environment mm-hmm. and there's some open breather on it and you're gonna get moisture inside of there that that wrecks oil yes it does it, well it wrecks bearings and then which hopefully your oil sticks on oh and the other thing I love <laughs> is is the uh, so cold startup yeah you know people are so worried about like. Oh, you know, you know, is is my oil gonna be there for me when it's a cold startup? I, I have a I have a theory on this. Well, that's what the two numbers on the oil are for. Five W thirty. Let's let's yeah. dive into that. Okay. Well, the first number five W is 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 a, a viscosity rating uh, based at on uh, flow rate through. Um, uh, universal centistokes, uh, the f- amount of oil at 32 degrees that'll flow through a, a fixed orifice. And then... Um, okay, so the five, and, and so let's just five go... Five W is the winter. Yeah, so so that's the cold, mm-hmm. that's the W. And so five flows more than 10? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
And I always get confused when we started getting up to the eighties and nineties. <laughs> but that's that's we'll separate we'll we'll separate two strokes from four strokes. Right. Oh, okay. Right. So there's so there's zero so you have zero, you know, you have zero weight oils and five weight oils and ten weight and fifteen. And so the 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 higher the number, the more it's gonna flow. No. Uh, no the other way around. The other way around. Rather around. The, the thicker it is. The, I mean the, less the, viscous. The, the, so 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 the number is the viscous, which means how thick it is. Resistance to Res- flow. Correct. Resistance to flow. So the 15 doesn't flow nearly as good as the zero when it's freezing. Correct. Got it. Okay. Just want to explain that so everybody kind of has that because I will forget the difference between the zero and the 15 probably in 30 minutes. You can well, quiz me. Well, just remember that the W next to the first number doesn't stand for weight. It stands for winter. Winter. Yeah. I, I knew that. Okay. Yeah. And then- I, I learned that three or four years ago somehow. And then the other number is the oil's viscosity at 212 degrees. Which is boiling. Which is boiling. For those, so, for those of us that paid somewhat attention in that class that um, it teaches about that stuff. Well, that's boiling at... at, at kitchen. At, it's at, kitchen. It's home economics. It's boiling at sea level. Home, home, home economics is yeah. where I learned how to cook spaghetti. Which is what I lived on while I was going to school trying to be a motorcycle racer. Okay, so back to the back to the the number after the W. So fifteen W forty and forty on the scale of what's the the normal range you see is like usually thirty, forties, some fifties. Well, you see different ranges for different applications. So cars zero W twenty um, for startup and for fuel economy and for engines that have a, a lot of oil pressure. They, they're engineered around the lower viscosities. The motorcycles are typically engineered around the, the higher viscosities because we, 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 don't have, um, we, we don't have good oil pressure. And so typically we'll, we'll have a, you know, uh, you know, a, a 10W30 probably at the, at the lightest. And very often we'll see, you know, uh, uh, 10W50s or in the old days, you know, 20W50 or, yep. you know, or, or if you're really old, you might have a straight weight oil. And, and a nice 30 weight. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. for the tractors these days. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and so, so, you know, um, so when you start looking at, you know, what are our engines designed around, our, our engines are designed around our needs and what the, what the manufacturers, uh, can can build um, to to meet our needs and and for us to have uh, you know, good results with them. So so now I'm going to ask about so like the gear oils are generally 80 weights and 90 weights. Yeah, and they're not rated. And this is what confuses everybody. They're not rated on the same scale. Oh, okay. So like so. a <laughs> like, like a 80 W 90 gear oil. You say, oh my gosh, that stuff is so thick. You got to scoop it with a spoon. An ADW90 gear oil is about equivalent to an SAE30 motor oil. So, so in this, and but this is even true in automotive applications when, like the the differential fluid that you're putting in, mm-hmm. it's it's 80 or 90 weight. Because I I always wondered about that, and this is so I'm learning something here pretty interesting because because some of that stuff does pour out like honey. Yeah. And by the way, I watch a really interesting YouTube video that I'm sure you can search out where a guy ran his uh, lawnmower motor on honey uh, for for a while. And and then even more amazingly, and we'll get to uh, snake oil. He put Marvel Mystery Oil in it after it seized and got it to fire up and run again. Sure, pretty pretty good. Uh, 
I mean, and it was seized up. He took it apart and looked at it. It was truly amazing. But uh, so, so back to the, the oil, I, I always get on these sidebars because I want people to, you know, start, I don't want them to watch us. I want them to go on the other window on their thing <laughs> and start searching out like a guy runs motor on honey. And then they're going to watch while they're listening to us, they're going to watch a, a Tecumseh motor just blow up after about like 30 minutes, by the way. The honey was actually a pretty good lubricant as far as he was concerned. He Have you was, ever tried Coca-Cola? No. No, I, I don't have that many motors laying okay. around to, that, that are working, because if they're working, I'm going to put them to work. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so back to the the, the, the gear ratio uh, oil viscosity. The, I mean the gear ratio, the gear oil uh, viscosity. That is, that's, so it's a different scale, and it's for a different purpose. Correct. The chemistry, the viscosity scale is different. And the application is different, and the, the chemical structure is different. You know, motor oils. If we want to get into this a little bit, they're 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 sulfur phosphorus, and and they've got some zinc, and I'm sorry, they've got zinc and calcium, and the um, the the gear oils are sulfur phosphorus. That real pungent odor that you smell when you're towing your trailer and, and your gears are starting to get a little yep. hot. Uh, you know, that's that's a, that's a difference type of of anti-wear additive package and and that that's really good for that the, that application those loads but it's you know if you mix up the bottles and you put gear oil in your in your motor <laughs> and motor oil in 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 your differential um i've, you know, I've the, personally personally never done that but i've had i've known people that have done that and i've, I've actually taken some motors apart that people have done that you know, they they inadvertently put gear oil inside of their their motor, and it grounded up pretty good. Yeah, uh, especially the piston. Yeah, it doesn't uh, like that. It doesn't like the high. It doesn't seem like it likes a r- really ridiculously high heat, and it doesn't like the the aluminum versus. Uh, yeah, from a metallurgical standpoint, it's uh, we call that challenging. <laughs> <laughs> good. So so and and, and of course th- they they always say, oh no, it, this was the. I'm like something's, and you could smell it. I mean that. Oh yeah. You, you like you just talked about that gear oil, but you could smell it. It's like, dude, what'd you run in this thing, or what was on? It's like, oh, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And, and again, when something goes wrong with your motorcycle, ask yourself, what was the last thing you did? I it just just kind of like one of those Jimmy things that he just says to people all the time, and it's like, Jimmy, you're being a dick. And it's like, no, I'm just saying something that often will help solve a lot of problems and make everybody's life easier if we just admit it. So, uh, <laughs> um, good. I, we got a couple of really good questions here that I want to, uh, uh, Justin Bradley asks, I have a bunch of 10W40, but my new bike specs 10W50. Will the 10W40 hurt it? No. I agree. I'm going to say no, and I'm not even an expert. <laughs> um, and Mark Daniel says lots of good information that is being given out for free. And I'm going to say no, because I'm not an expert, but listen to him. Uh, can I, can I back up one? Yes. Um, the guy with the, the, the 1040, 1050, 1040, 1050. Um, he will probably notice lower oil pressure because of the, how the pressure sensors work. So, so the, the the higher the viscosity oil, and I don't know what kind of temperatures he's 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 you know he's he's experiencing, but uh, that's that's pretty pretty common to 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 have a drop in in oil pressure uh, when you when you drop viscosities. Yep. 
Um, and then uh, David Brown asks, is it because the motor factor, motorcycle manufacturers don't want to rely on high oil pressure? So I think he was he was asking, is that why they have a specific uh, type of oil that they want us to run? No, the the you know, the, the the motorcycle manufacturers are are you know, are building high performance engines, and if we go to something where we have to have a lot of oil pressure, um, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of power. Yeah, it takes power. It, it's gonna it's gonna take power. And then also, typically, when we go to higher oil pressure, we go to lower viscosity. And when we go, when we go to lower viscosity, if we get crumbs of dirt, you know, debris in there, like from the clutch or the transmission, um, then the tolerances get tighter, and we start getting into abrasive wear. So the the the, the, manuf- the motorcycle manufacturers are saying, look, let's let's keep the tolerances kind kind of wide. That lets the crumbs of the abrasive wear materials go through. We don't have to live on such high, you know, uh, high oil pressures. Um, you know, for for a, you know, and, and I'm speaking right now. You know, we're at dirt bike test, right? Dirt so, bike test. So yeah. we're so we're talking primarily about dirt bikes. Now, if we were having this conversation, on uh, if this if this was super bike test, and we had Formula One style engines that had really tight tolerances and big oil coolers and tons of oil pressure and lots of RPM all the time. Uh, my answer might be a little different. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, so uh, another another question here, um, uh, and this is uh, oh, it's from it's from Tom Van Bever. Remember Tom Van Bever? Oh, God, good old Tom from from, uh, from uh, uh, the the old. He used to write the cycle news stories back when uh, I was racing. Him and his wife. And uh, Tom is a wonderful guy. I got yeah. some stories about that man. Yeah. So uh, well, good. Maybe you're gonna have to break him out here in a second because I think he's gonna beat you up. A little bit. Anyways, I started using Duralube in the early 70s, says Tom, and I always liked it. I never experienced a seizure with it, and it always seemed to burn very clean. Was I imagining the clean burn, or am I right? He's right. and and uh, to, to, Especially if he was doing it at the recommended mixed levels. Right. And, and, and what, I, you know, a little history going, going back, there, there's, you know, there was some lubricant technology that was coming forward that, that, uh, was pretty cutting edge for the day, and and there were um, we started all using a a high viscosity material that provided good hydrodynamic lubrication, um, and 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 we found that when it actually was in the combustion process, you know uh, there were three companies that kind of figured out that that actually made a cooling gas and stabilized uh stabilized the combustion process so detonation wasn't as prevalent and so if i can which was definitely a problem on some of the bikes it's definitely a problem and so if i can uh tip my my visor to some some uh some people that definitely were pioneers um you know they're the the three companies that did this um uh, our, you know, Bob Weeman, who was who was the the principal at uh, uh, Intercontinental Lubricants. People in the East knew them as High Point, and in the West we knew it as Spectro, Golden Spectro. That's that's what Dan Smith used to okay. run, I think. And 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 Bob was a prince of a guy and a sharp son of a gun. He kind of came across some some things to to solve the a, a problem, um, and then uh, Bob Lancaster. Um, 
Mr. Torco, the founder of Torco, he figured out some, you know, he stumbled on this, you know, uh, kind of the same way and said, man, if this, this, this does some things that I really like uh, from low smoke and low particulate and, 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 and Duralu, myself, and a couple other guys um, started looking at some of these food-grade pre-synthetics that, uh, that did some things that we like. So, you know, Tom Van Beveren is like, this oil, when it burns, it, it burns clean. Yeah, we were converting an oil, a high percentage of the oil, from an oil actually to a combustible gas. And that's where... Less, less, less smoke, smokeless. Less Remember, smokeless. Well, and PJ One got on that. Oh yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they they were the smokeless oh, Har- two stroke Har- oil. Yeah, Harvey uh, yeah, from 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 PJ, uh, good guy, um, good brand um, innovator. Uh, but but you know the three of us, you know, we got on the thirty two to fifty to one ratio uh, early on because we we discovered before a few it was things. cool. Yeah, before it was we 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 were so far. You didn't like the smell of castor, is what oh, you're saying. Oh, I, I love the smell of castor. That was the hardest <laughs> thing. Oh, you, you, well, you know, I, I for a while, and this is another one of my favorite brands that I that I ran was Rock Oil, and oh, Rock yeah. Oil had um, strawberry scented two stroke oil, and and they sent it out to us when I was at Dirt Rider Magazine. They sent us a sample of this stuff, and and it was it kind of said not for really racing use. They they it was more for scooters in in mm-hmm. cities and stuff. They, they they didn't want it to smell, you know, bad. So they had this. I used to run that stuff all the time, especially trail riding. And you know, my perfume smelled nice when you were riding by me. Yeah. So there's there's always interesting stuff going on. Okay, so I got another question from Tom. Is Duralube still available? I've been using two stroke oil. I get at lawnmower shops called Champion Oil. By the way, Tom, you are a cheap sucker. Bottles look identical to old Duralube ones. It sure performs like the oil oil, and it's very easy to find and is cheap. See, I told you. Is it the same oil? It's the same chemistry. Um, yeah, a little, <laughs> a little history. Um, Duralube, you know, uh, we we evolved into multiple markets. Motorcycle being the most visible, but we 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 also got in heavily involved in mopeds and ultralights and power equipment, and we found that the power... Because you could make money there. We made money there. <laughs> you know, the, the, the motorcycle stuff was, was, was good. It was high visibility. It was fun. Uh, it's fast-paced, but, but the, the, you know, the low-emission two-cycle oil uh, for, for power equipment really um, stabilized, stabilized us. And, and to answer Tom's question, the, the, the root chemistry uh, that, that uh, we brought forward... Uh, with the second generation uh, Duralube, uh, when when we sold the company, um, that went to you know, uh, a, 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 a a private packager, um, Champion Champion Brands in 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 Missouri, and they've brought uh, brought that that uh, kept that product going forward, and um, you know I, same I, bottle. Well, <laughs> we owned the mold. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 were we came out with our own twelve point eight ounce bottle, owned the mold, and that was one of the assets that went forward. So so um, it's very very the the root chemistry is very very close. And for Tom, I know that that you know you know he's he's a fellow vintage guy. And, and can he can he run it in his vintage race bikes? He no because they're all. <laughs> 
aerials and BSAs. Oh, and he's got four-stroke ones. Well, he's also got some lovely little motorcycles that, uh, you know, that that are are, are two-stroke and and. What he's doing is just fine for him, and <laughs> and um, and yes, the oil, and that's another one that we that we we look at on. Hey Bob, if you eat all my tacos, I'm going to turn this camera around and point it at you. I mean, right now because I'm getting really hungry sitting here. But keep keep going. Yeah, but but the but the oil, uh, the, the 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 lawn and garden oil for a low you know you know a, a low demand application is just fine. And I can I can honestly say I've never run lawn and garden oil in any of my motorcycles. Just for the record, liar. No, I'm serious. I, unless, <laughs> unless unless that's what you're calling Duralube. No, well, du- I mean, <laughs> they they, it, they were a little bit different, but but the, yeah. the but the root chemistries. Um, I'm being mean. I'm going to apologize to you right now because I, I I usually oh. have Logan here. That's what he's supposed to do is sit and write apologies. But I, I like I like I said I I was stoked that you guys the re, actually you guys coming on to that KTM factory team back in the day was probably the reason I was able to get a factory ride if I really break it down whatever financial support that you kind of brought into that program and and made that thing work. It was big. For, it was it was really a huge commitment. From a small company, and and it was a it was a true partnership. I mean, I I have to uh, I have to say that you know working with Ted Lapidagus and Rod Bush and and Don Rosine and all of the people there, uh, we believed in each other. When times got tough, we all we all kept going forward. And and, yeah, and so I was and I was always thankful. And I'll tell you how how much how much I was. Because even because Calgard was a, a brown oil and you never saw mm-hmm. it. Even and you could tell when somebody was running Duralube because you'd always have a little red on your white gas tank. You'd have that little red ring, you know, because you'd mm-hmm. spill a little bit and that oil would stain. So I always made sure that I had a little red oil around the top of the thing, and people would say, "You you really run that stuff?" And I'd say, "Uh huh." Uh-huh. Not right now, maybe at the end of the race that I just run, but like. Actually, in my practice bikes, you know, I ran it most of the time because. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I'm going to quit beating up you about that. No, no, it's you know, history's good because yeah. we learned we learned we learned a lot, you know, uh, in in our histories and and you know, it's, I mean, I remember. I it's remember. not a mistake; it's a lesson. I mean, it's, it is a mistake, but if you take a lesson out of it and you learn something and things get better for it, it's, if if we didn't learn something, we'd all be riding seventy two bull tacos. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness, right? <laughs> right. I, 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 Jimmy, why don't you do vintage racing? Because I don't want to ride that. <laughs> I like to look at it. Maybe one lap just to feel it. Hey, I got I got another question here. This Adam, uh, a guy named Adam commented on one of our YouTube videos about our KTM 350 where I, I talk about how the engine is audibly noisier than like the previous version. And this is the 2019 bike. And I have a 2016 also. Actually, I bought the test bike that he's watching the video on. That's how much I liked it. But he says the motor rattle you actually hear is the shitty stock cam chain tensioner. He says, get the Dirt Tricks tensioner and avoid the stock one breaking like many have already happened. Well, so I'm going to go off on my little tirade about like I really don't think that many KTM cam chain tensioners have broken. Um, I've actually had on my 16, I've had one get sticky and at low oil pressure, like you're talking about, it wouldn't because it uses oil pressure to expand. There's a small spring in there, but sometimes there's the the you know some contaminants or whatever gets in that sliding sort of piston, and it doesn't open up. 
but uh, so I had it. You had to rev it up, and all of a sudden the cam, you know, the, the loose cam chain noise would go away. So I have had that thing. It's not that huge of a problem considering that bike had three hundred and forty hours on it before it went, um, and it's still going. Uh, but the, so the audible, the one I'm more curious about is like the, the audible noise that we experience. They're they're doing they're trying to get more horsepower out of the bike. So a lot of times they're looking to reduce friction. Correct. Yes. And that reduced friction tends to increase a little bit of the noise. Yes. There's more rattle. And, and especially there's more radiant. You know, I mean, you know, fluids, the heavier fluids and different fluids do, uh, you know, buffer some some sound. And, and also, you know, things, you know, to, to, to aid in um, heat dissipation and reduce weight, things get a little bit thinner. Yeah. And can you get more horsepower with oil? Absolutely. Is it is it worth it? Like, what's the? I mean, it, there's no Ain't there's no free. there's no free horsepower, right? There's and nothing so, free. So so you're going at that point. You're going with like a lighter viscosity. True. True. To to and then and then so maybe it's not. What's the what's the disadvantages of doing no, that? Uh, okay. Well, you know, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, and I you know I I play with a variety of racing applications and and so um if you have enough oil pressure you can run a lighter oil Mm -hmm. um you 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 keep with the the oil you know uh high pressure so so you're relying on the on the pressure on the pressure of the oil to fill up the orifice as opposed to the molecular structure of the oil to right to to hold the the parts from scalling galling yeah essentially uh, and and but the other side of it is there's some magic in oil. You know that's where the additives uh, play a, 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 a huge role. So you can actually have two oils that are exactly the same from a viscosity standpoint. You know, they 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 spec out the same, and you have one that has a lot better um, uh, frictional properties than the other. And and that's where some yeah that's where the uh, that's where the A student and B student he starts <laughs> he, he starts he starts earning his keep and so uh, yeah there's some there's some uh, some magic there but when you start going that way um, and that's in a race application um, I'll tell you right now there's between uh, two and five percent horsepower change um, in in oil and if you don't think that that's Worth having when you start doing the the, the restrictor plate NASCAR <laughs> Daytona thing, and you come up with fifty extra horsepower, that's money. So so potentially in motocross racing, let's talk about this. In a two fifty F, you probably should think about oil. Well, I, on, on a four you, you, on a four fifty, I I don't think you need to. Uh, the, there's the, there's a lot left over when you're riding a four fifty, yeah, uh, uh, and the two fifty F guys are they're they're ringing it <laughs> they're they're ringing it and and they're also maintaining high rpm and they that in itself keeps keeps uh oil pressure and volume through the system going and so the oil starts making a difference and the oil makes a big difference on on ring seal and sometimes we start going the opposite direction we we get start getting more horsepower when we start increasing viscosity so it really you got to you got to know your stuff. You got to know your stuff, and you got to test. 
And then you've got to do a little bit of forensic analysis. And everybody wants to cheat. Say, ah, just what do I run? Well, <laughs> what you do is you... <laughs> what, 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 are, what, are you what are you running? <laughs> you no. know, it's because it, it, it does make a difference. I mean, that you know, you know, you... You know, just what this one guy runs may not be the same because your setup might be different. Your the way you ride may be different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I talk about this all the time. I like people to kind of at least test a little bit. Um, everybody everybody just wants to take the pill. They want to take the pill and take it, and everything be better. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to do the push-ups that would would actually do something where the pill would be a little bit easier. So we've kind of we've kind of gone for about an hour here. Um, so I'm gonna let you kind of let guys let you know what we're gonna do here. Um, we are going to wrap up this particular segment. I'm going to shut down the uh, the Facebook Live here, and we are going to we're start we'll start everything up again, and we're going to do a second segment. Um, which, if you're watching this one now in the future on the YouTube's or wherever it is, listening to as a podcast, uh, Chris will be back on another episode, and we're going to talk about why emissions bikes are emissions bikes. And we're going to talk about regulations and changing gasoline and sound and all of those things that are just completely confusing to everybody that says, why doesn't, why don't they just make it like this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why can't you ride your KTM SX or your Honda CRF R on the trails or down the street or whatever? So we're going to answer those questions. So. Sure. So uh, if you're if you're out there, um, we're gonna shut down. I'm gonna eat a taco. Chris is gonna finish off a little bit of his tequila. By the way, we are drinking uh, both uh, uh, Classe Azul and and and, uh, and uh, Loma Azul. Azuls must be good uh, tonight for those that were asking. Uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, actually, I'm gonna see. We've got a couple questions. That could, does two stroke oil have a shelf life? No. No. Uh, if it's synthetic oil, no. If it's bean oil, it will spoil if air hits it. Is that true? It can. You can start getting some some uh, uh, degradation. Spoiling is a good good word for that. Um, it can actually uh, start generating some bacteria. So you know the you know some of the vegetable products um, don't have quite the uh, the purity of a of a refined or so basically uh, stuff can grow in it. Oh yeah, <laughs> can stuff grow in? Okay, can stuff grow in the bowl of a carburetor? Oh, it can. It can not only grow; it can produce flowers. <laughs> so, oh, we we never really hit on ethanol either, did we? Well, ethanol is a is is you know uh, you know it is going to be a a big topic for everybody. A bigger topic. A bigger topic, and and um, get used to it. And 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 just learn to live with it. Because and we're hoping guys like you are going to help solve it. Uh, there are some countermeasures, and 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 some some are 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 easy, and 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 some are not so easy. But you know the the industry um, will will solve it uh, one way or another. And I'll leave it at that. It yeah. might be chemical, it might be mechanical, or it might be. Uh, Global design. Yeah, so. and and in this like when we talk about the emissions compliant bikes stuff, like we'll dive in a little bit to the ethanol and just different gasoline issues. So, uh, so we'll see you on the next one. So for Chris Real, 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 Chris Real, and go ahead. Where can people find you if they need they need to get motorcycle oil questions? Well, things. 
Uh, you're not going to answer all their emails. I'm not going to answer all your emails. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. That That's Jimmy's <laughs> yeah, job. You've got to ask him all those questions, and, yeah. and then he'll invite me up, and we'll have tacos again or, or tequila. Um, my, uh, my I, I own DPS Technical or, or dpstechnical.com. You'll find a little bit of information there. Um, we... You know, we we try to um, you know we don't have a brand. You know, it's one more, of my, it's, it's definitely more of a business to business application. Yeah, we yes. we uh, I don't have anything to to, to really sell you. Um, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm trying. I'll tell, to, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what he sells you, and he doesn't do this. He he has helped me do sound testing yeah. uh, for Dirt Rider magazine, and was very proactive in in a lot of the sound testing that helped us keep our riding areas open, which is super important. Motocross tracks open. Um, advised, if you knew what he did in the background, uh, you would be thanking this guy. So, uh, especially if you're in the industry and you're listening to this and you need help in the oil business, in the sound testing business, in the motorcycle safety and certification side, uh, he's definitely one of the main guys to go to. Yeah. We test vehicles and, um, cars too. Cars too. Cars are a big part of our business. Um, and, uh, how about, how about those, those little scooter things, those, uh, Three-wheeled scooter thingamajiggers. Remember? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and ones that balanced or something like that. Yeah, the you know the you know the technology is a is a funny thing. It's uh some of it you you you, you say wow, a tricycle is supposed to have one wheel in the front and two in the back, and pretty soon we got backwards tricycles and three wheeling's a good feeling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, my my business. Um, you know we're you know we're really focused on on uh, keeping motorcycles. Um, and writing areas open, you know, I'm kind of the sound guy. Um, I, you know, also help the manufacturers through some, some challenges with emissions and regulatory stuff. And, and I'm a motorcycle guy and I, I really like riding motorcycles and I try to keep, keep the riding area open, riding areas open. Um, and I like running race teams and being involved. So, and he's and he's way smarter than me. And he talked long enough so I could reach over and have a sip of beer and not have to look over my shoulder to see if the little kid next to me was going to talk. So Logan grew up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, by the way, everybody, good to good to see you in the room. Uh, we're going to sign off for a few minutes, and we will see you back in a few minutes. If not, and by the way, remember we have that call-in number. Um, Gabe is sitting over there patiently in this tent we built out of plywood and foam board. He could be killed at any moment if it collapses, and uh, he was hoping to take your calls, but he's probably pretty stoked that he didn't have to uh, do it this time. So with that, for Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, for Chris Real, this is Jimmy Lewis, and hopefully we will see you out on the trail. Cheers. Cheers.